Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Fruit Snacks. Today we're going to continue the discussion about Genesis 1 and how to understand it in light of its ancient Near Eastern worldview and context. And in Monday's episode, I suggested that based on other ancient Near Eastern creation stories and the general culture in which the Israelites would have found themselves, that the text of Genesis 1 really should be understood in terms of its being function-oriented and not really concerned with material origins of all of creation and the universe. And as I said, that's not to suggest that any ancient Israelite would have thought that somehow God didn't make everything material, but for them and for all the other ancient cultures, just material stuff by itself wasn't really all that interesting. What was more interesting to them and what is the focus of their narratives from a creation standpoint is that their deity gives that material stuff a purpose, that he brings order out of chaos and that he brings function out of non-function. And so Genesis 1 in that sense would fit a function or a functionary structure And if we interpret it in that way, it matches much more closely other ancient Near Eastern creation stories, which I think makes more sense and gets us closer to how the original audience would have understood it and read it. So then that brings us to an important question. If that's the case, if Genesis 1 is about function, then what is the function of day 7? Because from our modern perspective, nothing happens. And it is often interpreted to simply be a example to us that, well, God rested so that we would do it. That, in other words, day seven doesn't do anything for God. It only is for humankind. But I don't think that's the case. If we look at the scriptural accounts of Solomon's temple and the way in which it's built and some of the imagery that is built into Solomon's temple. There is quite a lot of cosmos-oriented imagery and sculpture and pictures that are painted in the temple. And if we look at other ancient Near Eastern temples, they mirrored this as well. In Egyptian temples, in Babylonian temples, you see cosmos imagery or references, meaning that The ancient world, meaning that cultures in the ancient world viewed their temples as a reference point to something else, that the temple was essentially a mini version of the cosmos, of everything that existed. And in that way, it means that ancient peoples would have understood the the temples that they constructed as a a sort of mini residence for their deity, but in a much larger context, they would have understood the cosmos themselves, all of creation, as 
the divine temple that ultimately the the this little building that was constructed is not where the deity resided it was rather all of the created world and order and we see this kind of thinking in passages like Isaiah 66:1 which says that the earth is God's footstool now a footstool is where a king would rest his feet when he was sitting on his throne and so if the earth is his footstool then that obviously means that the rest of creation the heavens and so on and so forth are not only where God's throne is but it's all his throne room and it's therefore all his temple and this principle is I think really key to understanding the significance of day seven in the creation account in ancient thinking a temple was not complete until the deity rested within it you could build a building or an idol or whatever but until that deity came and rested within it or upon it or whatever it wasn't functioning as intended it was just empty it was a carcass rather than a divine residence and so day seven may be the most significant day in the entire creation account because it is the day that deity god comes to rest within the temple that he has built for himself and now at this point the temple is complete and everything that follows from day eight all the way up until now can happen because all the essential preamble of the temple and its functions has all been established and now we can get to the business of actually doing the day-to-day stuff now in genesis we see that eden served as divine headquarters it was hq for god but that all of creation was essentially the temple and therefore what we see with adam is this idea that adam was intended as a functionary by god to act as both a mediator or a priest between god and the rest of humanity not necessarily in an official priestly capacity like what we see in the levitical period but that god intended for adam to be the mediator between him and the rest of humankind and that is why in the new testament we see jesus contrasted with adam because in so many ways jesus is like adam except where adam failed jesus has succeeded in being our mediator between god and the rest of humanity so once again if you're interested in this kind of interpretive framework for genesis i will highly recommend the lost world of genesis 1 by john walton and scripture and cosmology by kyle greenwood Thanks for listening, and I will see you back here tomorrow.